0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people who are brave enough to go out there and want to fully engage in the world, giving all of their gifts, being their true selves, and still managing to find some time to take care of themselves in the process. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and uh, today I want to talk a little bit about rest. Um, I don't know about you, but I am not particularly good at resting. (laughs) I'm a neurotic little head case, and slowing down is a tough one for me. Uh, In my latest blog, I actually ended up writing a little bit about depression. I have some experience with depression, just in case you're curious. It's not fun. I certainly wouldn't call depression something that I enjoy by any stretch, But you know, there is one thing that I really appreciate about depression. It forces me to slow down. There's nothing quite like the oppressive weight of a a depressive episode to really signal to me, Hey buddy, we've politely requested that you slow down. We've strongly encouraged you to slow down now we're just gonna go ahead and force it it kind of feels like and this is what i wrote in my blog too um it feels a little bit like being a puppy that's being manhandled by a loving but irritated owner who's now firmly got his hand placed on me and i am now on my belly in submission um It might seem kind of strange for someone to say that depression could be a loving owner, but I really feel like it can be in a certain way because depression really feels to me like a signal. It's communication. It's my whole system communicating to me that something's gone awry, uh, i.e. my behavior. Whenever I have a depressive episode, more often than not, it's due to the fact that I have not managed myself well. And in particular, I haven't rested so again let's really get into the nitty-gritty of what I mean by rest shall we the most obvious version of rest is sleep uh, I don't know if this is true of all highly sensitive people but I do know that of those with whom I am friends with whom I am close I should say uh, if they don't get enough sleep they they describe their experience of reality as being uh, a Warped. Uh, It's a kind of insanity. It it feels like depression, perhaps, or it can feel like apathy. It just it's a very intense experience. And to be clear here, I'm not talking about, oh gee, I usually like seven to eight hours, and I only got four. I'm talking about a full blown night of no sleep, or I'm talking about three, four, five nights where you're only getting three hours of sleep or so each one. I'm talking about real sleep issues here, and the buildup of what that can start to Accumulate into, i.e., chronic insomnia. Um, Which is really the tough part about being highly sensitive, though, is that our little systems are so attuned to our environments that more often than not, highly sensitive people tend to be more prone to things like insomnia, which is just wrong. (laughs) So, not only are we more prone to get insomnia or to develop it, but insomnia seems to be particularly hard on us. (laughs) So, Oh, it's all kinds of problems. But there's hope. And I know I use these three tiers all the time. I, I have to credit uh, my yoga therapy practitioner, uh, Marcel Albutron. He always refers back to these three levels of healing. The first one, the symptom itself. The second one, management of that symptom. And the third, my relationship to the symptom. So if we're talking about something like insomnia, there's, you know... The, the symptom being that I'm not sleeping. There's also management of it. You know, how do I manage myself when I'm not getting enough sleep? How do I manage myself to improve the likelihood that I do get sleep? Uh, that Those sorts of things, which we're going to talk about in today's podcast a bit. And then finally, the relationship to that symptom. So How can we develop a relationship with insomnia that is not so fear-based? Because the very fear of not getting to sleep is the thing that often keeps us from sleeping. You'll notice, though, that I didn't call this episode Sleep. (laughs) The (laughs) title of the episode is about rest. And I did that on purpose. Sleep is perhaps one of the most profound ways the body gets a recharge but it's not by any stretch of the imagination the only one it's one that i often use as a focus point because in case you hadn't figured it out yet i'm someone who often uh, is challenged with sleep and i say that i don't necessarily want to identify as an insomniac but i am someone who has a very delicate relationship with sleep and so I've had to create all kinds of systems to help me get through during those nights when I'm restless. And I've had to create systems to help improve my chances of resting at night. And finally, I've had to create and reframe stories that help empower me in, in when I can't rest. Okay, so first, let's talk about what, what sleep does for us. Sleep really based, I mean, it allows us to recharge. It resets the brain. It allows us to heal. It allows our body to do the work that it wasn't able to do when we were awake. Which is great because when highly sensitive people get good sleep, look out. Tasmanian devil status. I mean, they can be hyperproductive. They're fabulous that way. But if they don't get sleep, look out. (laughs) You might be dealing with. I don't know. I mean, it's not a wild animal because we're too tired, but certainly snippy and snide and yuck. I mean, we're not a fun bunch to be around when we haven't rested well. So what can we do about this? Let's start with the basics here. Rest not only comes in the form of sleep, but it's something you want to do throughout the day, not only to help you recharge, but in order to help you actually get to sleep. Examples of that, the first one I'm going to bring up is meditation. And now, to be clear, meditation does not have to be something that is formal, You don't have to sit Indian style. You don't have to have a specific mantra that someone has carved out for you and put in nice little calligraphy notes on a piece of paper. Nothing like that. You don't have to be sitting under a waterfall with a shaved head. You're welcome to do any of these things, but these aren't necessary elements of meditation. Meditation is simply focus. You're focusing on your breath. Or you're focusing on a mantra. Or you're focusing on a speck on the wall that you hadn't noticed yesterday. It's giving your brain something to just hone in on. And just so you're aware, if you think you're not good at meditation, you're wrong. There's no such thing as being good or bad at meditation. What you can maybe say is that meditation doesn't feel like silence to you. And that's fine. Meditation for me actually often starts off as being sort of a. Hmm. Well, it's sort of like this I'm breathing. It's like, okay, breathe in. Um, I'm going to hold. I'm going to breathe out. Hold my breath for a few seconds. Breathe in. hold I'm thinking this is really silly I'm doing this on a podcast this nice little breathing exercise and I also need to breathe out I have a lot to get done today in order to finish everything that I have on my to-do list I'm really going to need to pick it up a notch I've got papers to write I've I've got something to apply for I've got a grant proposal to write I need to get to work and I need to clock in several hours oh that's right I'm supposed to be breathing okay Hold. Breathe out. I'm hearing birds in the distance. That's kind of nice. I really like birds. Sorry, I'm supposed to be breathing. Hold. So, in this particular moment, as it happens, my brain is actually kind of calm, which is unusual. Um, But ordinarily, what I just, so that little snippet that I did just now, it's that little pause where it's like, oh, there's birds in the background. Oh, I'm supposed to get a lot of stuff done today. There's a lot of things on my mind today. All of that stuff, that's going to come up in a meditation practice. So, if it's coming up for you, that doesn't mean you're not good at it. What it means is that's what's happening in your brain right now. Meditation is about watching. It's just about observing, sort of being curious. What kind of thoughts are going to come up today? And when the same ones keep coming up, sometimes what that starts to lead to, especially if you're waiting for the next thought, this is one that comes up a lot. It's like, okay, what's going to be the next one? And I think that's part of why my brain was a little bit quiet just now. It's like I was waiting for it because it's like, I better come up with something. I've got a podcast running but nothing did. Okay, that's great. Um, But then something always does eventually. Now I'm sure that there are Buddhist monks who have meditated for hours a day for many days and many, many moons and all of that sort of thing. Great, they probably can develop a very quiet mind. Having said that though, that is not a requirement of meditation. The only requirement of meditation is that you show up and to show up means to sit still perhaps or just to observe your thoughts, just to focus, just to be in the moment. To be in the moment is to just look around your surroundings and actually be in the room, not be thinking and daydreaming about everything else that's happening in your life, but really observing your surroundings, observing your own body, witnessing your own thoughts. Doing this, though it might seem silly, is actually one of the best things you can do to rest and recharge, it helps that prefrontal cortex section of the brain so that's that area that's uh, devoted to things like rational thought and willpower so when you really want to eat that snack bar because it's delicious and you're really tired because everybody and their mother wants you to visit with them today and because you're a highly sensitive person that's draining to you um that prefrontal cortex is the thing that says you know maybe not the snack bar maybe go for the apple instead <laughs> so It helps the prefrontal cortex make better decisions in your life to be more deliberate. You know, we talked last week about being deliberate, about less is more, about learning to say no. I got to tell you, it's hard to be deliberate when you're tired, or I shouldn't say it's hard for you to be. I should say it's hard for me to be. I don't know about your experience, but that's mine. Another thing meditation does that's really lovely is it helps prepare the brain for relaxation upcoming up that day. So the likelihood of something like sleep happening improves. And beyond that, let's say the night before, sleep didn't happen because you're human and you're a highly sensitive one at that. And that didn't work so well because you've got a meeting coming up tomorrow. Or I guess now it would be today, since it was last night that we had the sleep trouble. Meditation is one of the few things that helps to recharge the brain and compensate for sleep deprivation. Everything I've seen pretty much says, well, don't try and just compensate with you know for sleep with meditation alone. You do eventually need to get some sleep, but the body will take care of that. The body will shut down when it needs to shut down. That's what the body does. So meditation is really helpful for like sort of supplementing sleep when sleep didn't come. Helps recharge the brain when the brain didn't get a chance to do that with sleep alone. And it really helps to create a set of circumstances that foster rest and digest as opposed to fight or flight. The more scientific terms for this is that meditation initiates the parasympathetic nervous system. That nervous system that operates when things are calm versus the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for keeping us alert. So there we have with meditation. Super helpful, very important to integrate. How long do you need? As little as five minutes a day. If you're trying to compensate for lack of sleep, you might want to go 20, 30 minutes if it's possible. But, I mean, again, it's not mandatory. Every moment you spend focused and deliberate and paying attention to what's happening in your own body is a moment that is spent being, helping you to recharge. So what else comes in the, what is another form of rest? What does rest also look like? Uh, You know, rest can also look like staring off into space. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I certainly have where it's like I'm moving out throughout my day. I've gotten my cup. I'm going over to the coffee machine at my office. I'm just filling it with some hot water because I am a teetotaler being highly sensitive and all. And I'm filling this cup up and all of a sudden I stare out the window because the coffee maker is right next to a window. And I stare into the parking lot below me and I don't see anything. I'm just sort of zoned and I'm watching someone get out of her car. That's interesting. And then I don't see anything at all. I'm just sort of staring. And then, sorry, woo, and it's like my brain comes back online again and it's like, whoa! I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's a zone out period. It's sort of a considered timeout. You'll see kids do it a lot, especially in cars, where they kind of drift off into space and they're not really paying attention. The brain actually needs that. Highly sensitive brains in particular need that. It's sort of the brain checking out. It's a moment of going like, this is like a reboot. We think of it as being silly and funny and, oh, would you please stop zoning out like that? It's very inefficient. It's ineffective. It's said something about your intelligence. I don't know if that's really what we say, but that's how I feel when I notice it happened to me. In reality, though, it's another form of rest allowing your body that time i mean next time you notice a state like that come up write it out you know don't force it back so quickly see what happens more often than not as you come back online you, you, it feels good to come back and kind of go oh wow that was interesting huh?" and then move on <laughs> other forms of rest uh just being. I mean, have you ever just sat there? I I don't know about you, but for me, I can recall a recent incidents when I really, really wanted to want to run. Everything about me wanted to get that done. Uh, I wanted to get out there. I wanted to get some steps in. My little Fitbit was telling me about all the stuff I wasn't doing. Uh, You know, exercise being another thing that's helpful for reducing stress, for example. I wanted to get that done. But I was just... uh, so tired I mean it physically hurt to think about getting up I just couldn't do it so I didn't and I watched as my Fitbit buzzed at me saying oh it's been another hour of very little activity and I said yeah that's true Fitbit thank you for noticing and (laughs) so and I got back in bed and I just remember staring at the ceiling and just sitting in the silence and it felt so good Fortunately, it was a Saturday, so I had that available to myself. But sometimes I don't have that available in quite the same way. Maybe I'm at work, maybe I'm driving, maybe I've got stuff to do. But even in those periods of time, I sometimes will just take a moment, like I'll set a timer and say, okay, for two minutes, I'm going to do nothing. I'm just gonna sit here. And I'm just gonna relax for a second. Like, God, I just need to, I don't know, maybe I'll go for a walk outside and stare at the clouds. Maybe I'll just sort of drift. I'll daydream. Daydreaming is another thing. Like, So I guess that's really the, the state I'm talking about here. When I'm talking about that I'm just going to do nothing and stare at the wall, I'm really talking about daydreaming. About just sort of pondering, meandering, sort of digging through the brain and thinking, what do you want to daydream about today? What's going on? You know, I love that experience. I very rarely gift myself with it. I have a lot of guilt around that. And that's definitely something I'm working on. Because when I allow for it, the following day, my creative juices are just flying. And I'm more of an effective coach and healer and friend. If I allow myself times to just be in quiet, and rest and not have a specific expectation about how rest should look you know it doesn't have to be meditation it doesn't have to be a certain thing hell maybe it's watching Netflix which I don't know if that's relaxing in quite the same way, but it can be there are times when it's like I just I just need to turn it off I just need to zone I just need cotton candy Netflix binging right now like don't judge me. <laughs> Those are all parts of a healthy lifestyle. Obviously, you don't want to spend 24 hours a day in bed, but neither do you want to spend 24 hours a day on your feet. It's a balance. I just personally find that I'm more likely to be encouraged to do stuff, do meditation, do exercise, do your work, do something, than I am to be encouraged to relax, to do nothing. It sort of gets back again to what we were talking about last week about less being more. In the same way, rest can be one of the most fruitful things you can do in order to improve your efficiency. Counterintuitive though that may sound, even with running in the physical realm. I mean, the um, th- there's a method. I believe it was Jeff Galloway, and they call it the Gal- or Galloway Galloway. Anyway, uh, they call it the Galloway method, where it's uh, as you're running. If you're deliberate about inserting periods of time where you walk, your overall running time and the distance you've clocked for yourself will decrease. In other words, you'll get faster. Even though you've deliberately carved out time to rest. In fact, maybe it's not an even though, maybe it's a because. So rest is huge for everybody, but it's particularly important for highly sensitive people. So all of what I just talked about right now, and, you know, I talked about the symptom, which is maybe I'm stressed, maybe I'm anxious, maybe I'm not getting to sleep. So those are those anxiety symptoms, those those symptoms that are uncomfortable for us. The management of it are in doing things that like I just described. Maybe you give yourself some time to, to do the counterintuitive thing, Netflix binge. Maybe you gift yourself some time for meditation. Maybe you zone out, maybe you daydream. Just rest for a minute. And what you may find is that you become more effective, more efficient, even though the presumption is that you've, quote, wasted time. You haven't wasted it. You just filled it with silence. Silence is pretty valuable. There's nothing empty about it. And then that final one that I was talking about, that whole, you know, what is your relationship to the symptom? What is your relationship to insomnia, to anxiety, to restlessness? That can be helped by really, well... It's sort of like if you notice that your system is on overdrive, and you really need rest, and your experience is that you can't take that rest, you can reframe your experience with or your, the way you describe your experience so as to say hey it's not that I'm wrong or broken or built poorly or um, falling apart even maybe it's not that I'm just an insomniac or an, I'm an, I have anxiety or I am depressed maybe instead it's just Oh, this is information. So the next time that you can't sleep, the next time that you feel wired but tired, the next time you feel like everything's going on overdrive, whether or not you can rest just take a moment and sit back. And instead of seeing all of this as, oh my God, I should feel guilty about this. Cause this comes up with highly sensitive people. This came up with me. Notice when I described my experience with depression, I said, I typically develop depression when I do a poor job of managing myself. And that's true, but you can take, and I can take some of the sort of blame and shame out of that and sort of say, oh, this depression thing, or oh, this insomnia thing, or this anxiety attack I'm getting. This isn't bad. This isn't a horrible, terrible thing. This is just my body giving me information. It's just trying to tell me something. This is my body trying to help me heal. Oh, oh, well, I can't rest right now, but God, this is really helpful. I wonder what I can do tomorrow. Like, where where is some time I can fill in? Maybe I have a minute. Maybe I have 60 seconds I can just cut away really quickly. You know, take some of these negative side effects that come about when you haven't rested and really try and reframe your experience with it so that it's not good or bad, but just information. It's just information. All right. So... With that, I will close for the day and basically just sort of say, hey, if you're a highly sensitive, if you're any kind of human being, rest is imperative to do. It absolutely is. There's no getting around that. But if you're a highly sensitive person, it's a life or death situation. At least it feels like it. (laughs) So for the next week, I challenge you to try and find ways to rest. And uh, if you get a chance, uh, send me an email. Leah Burkhart 360 at gmail.com. You can also visit my blog, the or just my website, healthysensitive.com. Uh yeah, send a message my way, love to hear from you. How do you rest and recharge? All right, take care and be well.